0: Hi and welcome to the Pride Road Architects Podcast. I'm Lisa, Lisa Raines, and each episode I'll talk to people who interest me in the world of architecture and business. So join me and fellow lions and lionesses as we explore architecture in the den. Hi everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den. Um, we're taking a slight detour today. Um, we're talking about construction and I'm delighted to welcome Peter Jackson from Seddon's. So um, in the first instance, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, thanks Lisa. My name's Peter Jackson. I'm the Managing Director of Seddon Construction. We're a 125 year old family-owned business operating in the northwest and midlands of England and we're operating most, section, most sectors and we're unusual because we employ a direct workforce of trades people from um, joiners, bricklayers, plasterers, painters, mechanical electrical installers, all different types of workforce and that makes it a little bit different to other contractors right now.
0: Great, so I'm sure there'll be other architects listening out here and going hmm how can I get a piece of that which we'll go on to in a minute but first of all how did you get into that role?
1: So I started off by um, going to university not liking it and then getting into full-time employment and doing a degree part-time in in quantity surveying um, whilst working for a builder and then progressed through the ranks to running a part of a business for another builder called Weights and then coming back to Seddon in 2005 and just working with the current owners to grow the company. So um, yeah it's convoluted route forward and it was never a career planned in construction but um, it's been a it's been a, a real pleasure to work in the industry to be honest with you. Lots of variety, lots of interesting characters, lots of different challenges, ne- no two days are the same.
0: And so how long have you been MD there for?
1: Ooh, um, about seven years, I think now, come up to seven years, but worked with Jonathan, who's one of the owners, and kind of was like um, wingman to him for probably about seven or eight years before that as well. So, yeah, assistant managing director of sorts for a while and then managing director. So a long apprenticeships, one might say. <laughs>
0: fantastic and so the our are so the, the way the time met you originally was actually through the socials wasn't it
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, actually it was just saying before this started that I decided to come off twitter because I want to retain my job and I don't want to tweet too much about what's going on in the world right now because <laughs> it's a it's an interesting time to be alive isn't it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> definitely so um, I I think when I first came to it, it was probably either looking to pitch for work or looking to, to pick your brains. So do you, so if there are architects listening, how would they get involved um, with a large construction company like yourselves?
1: It's quite interesting because there's lots of different routes. So we have do quite a few of our own developments or find sites for customers. So being with us, having relationship with the business and being good at designing care homes or extra care or industrial units or even affordable housing is useful to us because that's the operates where we do our our own development so getting involved at the beginning helping us work up the feasibilities to see if we can find a customer to take the sites and then we do other work where architects innovated over to us so they're already with the client so there's two different ways to work with us I think what we look for more than anything else is to try and create that that team to make the budget work, and that, that's the that's the crunch for us really. Is um, we're not necessarily a tendering contractor, but we are always up against the cost plan, and we've got to make the client's budget work, and the, it breeds ingenuity. Um, and is architecture is important as well. So I, I don't think good architecture. Should actually be a detriment to the cost plan. I think there's just interesting ways of tying things together that makes the building more interesting to customers as well.
0: So um, strategically, if an architect wanted to get involved with you, uh, would there be a framework, or is there a minimum size of architectural practice that you do, that you deal with?
1: We do we do have a managed supply chain where um, we, we we work with with, with our designers and. Um, try and build a relationship on feedback of what went well, what we like to do better. We have a, we don't really have a formal framework. It's more about who we get on with because we're a commercial organisation. We know how to make things work. We know what fees are and what they should be. And actually, I'd rather spend a little bit more on fees and get the design right than, 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 than be tight with fees and, and struggle later on when delivering the project. And that's more important to us is getting the service right now. And the difficulty, I think, really is having that. That, and we've we've been quite good at it in terms of getting good partners with us. Is an architect that can win um, can win you the scheme in terms of the concept design, and having the architect who can do the detailed design, be um, lead designer and coordinate design supply chain with them is quite three or four different sets of skills there, and having an architect that can do it all is. is, is is quite important to us and um because we, we want to keep it all together mm. so that's the key can you do it all can you can you be the people who gets the concept right and then the nuts and bolts later on so
0: you're looking for someone who's got a track record in care homes or the sectors that you're working in
1: yeah we, we, we we're always looking for for people to work with us we have a we have a good relationship with the majority of the people we're working with right now and Majority, I'd say the repeat business we do with people is incredible. I mean, we've been working with the designers we're doing care homes for, for like 20 years. So the people that we work with, if they're doing a great job, we'll carry on working with them. It's, it's really important that and we want to be important to each other. So if we need, if we need a favor, they need a favor, we need doing something quickly. We need a quick response to something. Then, you know, we want to be the person that they're happy to drop things for and, and, and meet deadlines, uh, it's all about service now, isn't it? I think mm, mm. keeping customers happy. We all have to be a little bit more responsive than we'd like to. Uh, being planned's really, really important. Um, but then opportunities fall, and you have to react quickly to them as well.
0: Mm. So, so you've talked broadly about a variety of sectors. So you said you've mentioned care homes a couple of times. Yeah. What What are the sectors are
1: you in? So we'll build. Um, Through our development company, we'll build uh, industrial units and distribution units, Um, we do not so much now, but we have done commercial offices, Um, we're into the extra care market, and mostly affordable housing from a development point of view right now, it's a big chunk of what we do, and then we also, we're also on lots of frameworks. We're building schools for um, the house builders as, as an alternative to Section One Hundred Six contributions. We've built a couple of schools for Miller Homes. Um, we've built schools for local authorities, and we've we've done things like we uh, we built the extension to the Coronation Street set a while back, and we just done the fit out of the Eureka. Over at the Wirral, so there's all different things that we're into. We, we, we're a very diverse business, really, in that in that sense. So we need a diverse supply chain in terms of design as well. And whereabouts are
0: you operating geographically?
1: We're in the northwest and the Midlands. Um, it, it's most of what we do, and then we're around the country for um, customers that we work with regularly. Um, so we've been down to Colchester doing a hospital. Entrance um, works in lockdown and Northampton, um, NHS as well, doing another entrance there for them during lockdown. Um, And we've been around the country doing things um, for other customers, um, all kinds of works. DWP has taken us into Yorkshire. So, you know, predominantly Northwestern Midlands, but for the right customer, we'll, we'll travel.
0: So what would you say your biggest challenges are at the moment?
1: (laughs) (laughs) well well it's quite interesting isn't it because i think you've got to be more planned than ever now Um, so the, the key is being able to get hold of resources so workforce materials manage inflation in that process um, there's three points of, of KPI really in terms of performance that I look at when we're looking at projects. One of them is the information requirement schedule. Have we got design information in order to be able to undertake the works and procure the works? The procurement schedule in terms of have we got the, the supply chain on board um, to be able to get the materials to do the works and then the on-site, the on-site performance in terms of keeping progress when we get there. I think we're very good. At managing time when we're on site the difficulty right now is to be able to get the design information quickly enough and the procurement done in time to make maintain site progress because of leading periods because of inflation because of the pandemic and the way people are working um, being able to run a design team meeting with people in person has been impossible for three years so you know, we've learned new skills in terms of managing technology and getting information and getting people to collaborate and work together, but there's still challenges around that. So the on-time KPI is a massive one for me and those three sections to it takes some managing right now. And uh, there's all kinds of different factors affecting it, isn't there right now? So we just need to be, we need to be all in it together and know what the, the common goal is.
0: Are you doing any offsite manufacture?
1: yeah we um <laughs> yeah,
0: we, do. We, we do we
1: do we do we do um we have um as part of our um campus at Bolton where we operate from we've got a industrial building that we prefabricate m installations from so we can we prefabricate that ourselves with our workforce and take it to site so you don't see big big plumbers in little cupboards it's all prefabricated and fitted from 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 the office area. The, um, the challenge we've got with prefabrication is like anything else right now, is, is the lead in times managing inflation and the competing forces with the, op- can you do it quicker on site? And that all starts from the design concept, doesn't it? If you design for prefabrication and you know that you're gonna componentize a building at the beginning and you design to the system, you stand a chance. Mm. And and it's got to start at the beginning. The client's got to have a budget for it and understand that all the design's going to have to be done before you start on-site. And then the, the big challenge to that is, will they pay the fees up front? Mm. And that's where the tension comes into, into off-site manufacturers. All has to be designed before.
0: Are some sectors better than others for that?
1: I think there's some... Um, there's some buildings that lend themselves more to it so if you regularly build student accommodation then that lends itself perfectly to a off-site even modular Mm. um if you're regularly building care homes we've switched from building masonry which used to be the cheapest way to building with a metsec frame now
0: Mm. and that's
1: because we've got to comply with increasingly um stringent part l part f and part o of building regs where you've got to get your building fabric really 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 good to, to be able to meet the building reg standards and block work and brick is less predictable in terms of time and um, quality as that is so there's lots of different things that are moving you into being more of a manufactured process than an on-site bricks and blocks way of building
0: and and how on how on earth are you managing inflation of building materials at the moment?
1: Um, <laughs> we 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 kind of there's lots of there's lots of little levers you can use and and, and tools you can use to do that. So you can have a provisional sum in the build contract, or you can have an inflation formula. Um, the most important thing really is that you've got a great relationship with the customer, mm. because. When you need to keep on going back for approval for a a project to start, so if you agree in the price and it goes to board and they're they're not quite sure it misses a board meeting, next time it goes to board, the price has gone up. So really commit, make sure you know you're doing it. I think we need to cost plan at the beginning of the process when we're talking with customers with an inflation factor in there. A lot of people don't like that because it's the harsh reality of the world right now, but we're looking at 1% a month in terms of inflation if we're not careful. Mm. so how do you build that in and we're also working with customers now where we go in let's put a determination clause in for you if inflation is going to be so much and you've got a provisional sum of half a million pounds and it's going to be more than that then let's have a, an opportunity for you to suspend the works or stop the work so there's lots of different ways of doing it yeah. the hard thing is is you don't know we looked at it 12 months ago and said we must be nearly nearly top of the hill now and there'll be deflation or leveling off soon but there's no sign of it Mm. no sign of it
0: what's the biggest thing that's taken you by surprise
1: um in terms of products mm. it's, a, it's a difficult one because everything that we use in constructions uses heat to be made doesn't it you, you, you've got steel you've got your plaster board you've got your bricks everything goes through a process of heat and cooling um, and then you've got concrete products as well um and it's you know you've got all different types of, of, of conflicts in terms of what's the right way forward. We would like to change everything from clay bricks to concrete bricks. Sometimes the planners don't like that. Sometimes the client doesn't like that. But it's a, it's, in theory, it's a greener product and it's a less susceptible to energy costs. Um, what we need to have is materials that are, are made or are available in the UK because getting things in and out of the UK is difficult now. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking at, we said before about modular and offsite manufacturers, having something that's at least in the EU means that you've got some predictability of getting it. If it's coming from China or anywhere else, you've got restrictions with China shut down its ports, didn't it, for a couple of months, not too long ago because of another COVID outbreak. So there's lots of different factors in terms of getting materials. Everything's got a, everything that's got technology in it, It's got a microchip in it has been a shortage of microchips or your boiler components. It's if you went back in time and you and you knew what you knew now from a pandemic, you'd be going, "We need to be prepared for this because it's not we we don't recover from a pandemic very quickly, do we? Because it's there's a knock on a knock on effect to the supply chain, manufacturing, and countries are recovering at different speeds. It's just a it's a real it's a real good puzzle for us to sort, has not it?
0: Mm. So we're talking in sort of middle of October, twenty twenty two. So um, the the war in Ukraine is is still going on. Um, what would you say has been the biggest impact so far?
1: It's an interesting one. We have a supply chain partner that that does Metsec Frame and um, board petitioning. And eight of their fixers wanted to go back to the Ukraine to fight in the war. Yeah. And they paid for him to go back to the Ukraine to fight in the war. And that that was, that, that was interesting. I remember talking to um the owner of the, the company and saying, I'm not sure they'll come back. And she said, Well, you know, what do you mean? I said, Well, when the war's over, they've got a country to build, haven't they?
0: Mm.
1: So there's a country to rebuild. So there's going to be a dive if you think about what's going on over there, that you know. There'll be a call on workforce, there'll be a call on materials to rebuild that country. Um, there will certainly be, um, I would think that there would be a, a push by nations to fund and help them fund the rebuilding of their country. And there'll be a, that'll be an impact on resources for construction um, around, around the EU and Great Britain. So we need to think about how that works. And I think there'll be companies thinking about what the opportunity is there for them to to work in work away in, into in, in the Ukraine in building helping rebuild, and there has always been a UK um, leakage of talent into the wider world because we build great professionals, don't we? We've got great architects, engineers, construction managers that all have the skills out there that will be needed to rebuild that country, as they do, the, the, you know, in the past we've lost our our um our our brains trust over to the Middle east and other countries and we've we've built engineers and architects and builders to build the world haven't we when you can see that and it'll be interesting to see what happens when the ukraine needs rebuilding
0: mm. so is there anything you're starting to put in place in settings
1: it's quite interesting we try and think about how we can protect ourselves from global issues when we're a 160 million pound turnover company in the Northwest of England. We're not really a big player by any stretch of the imagination. The key for us is retention of staff and supply chain. So we look at, you know, development pathways for people. Um, Your career isn't a linear thing anymore. So we've got people who are bricklayers that are now estimators and project managers, quantity surveyors that are design managers, design managers that were once project managers. You've got to make sure that there's diversity of work and a career path for people that isn't necessarily linear or or necessarily progresses in terms of being in in charge and running the company, but giving them a variety of work and an interesting career. Um, And staff retention in terms of what flexible working looks like, we've been debating a four day week around board now for probably seven or eight months. And it's gonna be a focus for next year is that we know why a four-day week will help retain staff and want us to, you know, attract people. Would want to come here, but how? How do we make it work? And then supply chain is massively important to us, and we're, we've we've really worked hard at making sure we're working better with fewer people. So we're important to them; they're important to us. Um, a lot on feedback and visibility of workload. So we have a supply chain portal where we publish all our work and our tenders so people can start to choose what they want to do and work with us and decide that's better for me how do we get involved in that rather than how, how would someone find that so they they asked to join we've, we've got we had a supply chain of about two thousand people and we narrowed it down so we invited everybody on there to join then we score them and they they're going to start scoring us next year it's going to be interesting in terms of the performance during pre-construction construction and in aftercare operation of the building we saw them and then and then we published stuff through so there's all different ways we're going to get we use the supply chain for cdp sessions to train our managers in the use of products and systems Mm. and um, we've been doing supply chain seminars in terms of safety and taking on apprentices so they can grow their business and there's a new supply chain um webinar we're developing now which is going to help them understand government grants funding and tax to see if we can help them mm. every every little bit helps them doesn't it so we want people to be part of our family really is mm. what we're doing so i'm just thinking
0: if someone was listening who'd be interested in joining your supply chain how would they get in contact
1: on the website is the easiest way there's a there's a join our team page on the website and there's one there you click on for supply chain you send your details so, i had a supply yeah, chain will be in contact
0: make a note of that and put it in the bio and yeah we'll um, do that yeah. yeah yeah that's brilliant so that people can get in contact and um and see if they can work with you um so it sounds like you've got a lot going on
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: how,
0: how do you manage it on a personal level well cool.
1: It's not. It's not just me and a broom and a tambourine and a mouth organ. So we're not a one man. <laughs> we not a one man band. We've got, we, 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 we've got a great team here. You know, we've got directors in charge of business streams. So we have a director for housing, a director for the property services, which is the the small building and, and maintenance part, a director for the M and E side of the business. And we've got a chap who runs, the, um, who runs the painting company for us. And then we've got some great people around in terms of heads of departments. And, um, and in terms of winning work, we've got a great team that will win frameworks for us, which is really, really good and important. And everybody's got a, got a task to do and things that we have to move us forward on. The, the, interesting, the interesting role for us is the technical manager role. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting because that that ties in with your architect and engineer um, um, network. Is that we're on the cusp of great change, aren't we, with architecture and 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 governance around design right now? You know, the building safety bill that's coming after the tragic event at Granville, and um, we've got net zero and the ingenuity we need to have in terms of material choice, low carbon in use. Embodied carbon in materials we're choosing, how we're going to build, where we're going to build, how tall we're going to build. It's we're on the cusp of great change here. And that technical manager role we've got here is making sure that we have um, good management process, good protocols, and good people to work with to make sure that we start off with a great design that complies with everything that the customer wants and building regulations want, and is also buildable which is a hell of a challenge right Mm -hmm. now but it's exciting it's really exciting so it sounds
0: sounds like your time must be spent in in meetings 24 7
1: well i was thinking about this the other day we never stop work do we so we're always thinking about work now and that's a challenge for us all because we need to have downtime yeah but there's always but it's never been more exciting has it really you start thinking about all this now and and the opportunities in front of us um, is just incredible. It's really exciting. Um, the low-carbon the low carbon challenge we've got is fascinating because when I started out in construction, as a builder, you'd write your business plan around education, healthcare, and housing because they was the three stalwarts of any, any government spending. Going forward, you just write carbon. It's all about carbon. It's all mm-hmm. about... How that building operates and uses uses energy and, and contains heat and then the tricky thing is is making sure the embodied carbon and the materials isn't that is is, is really the next challenge of everything and um used to design a building in components so brickwork, external walls floors duh, duh, duh. then you just put a heat source in and some lights and now you've got to consider the building as a living, breathing entity. So you can't change one thing on a building without an impact on everything else. So your thermal models, everything that you do to make sure that your building's compliant, it's just, it's mind-blowing compared to when I started off in the late 1980s, where it was just so simple.
0: (laughs) So it sounds like your mind's whirling twenty four seven. How how do you take a break? How do you get that downtime?
1: Oh, I love walking. I love walking. Um, I've got a dog, which is which is my best friend now. My children have kind of become teenagers and found their own place in the world, which is the bedroom with the door shut. Yeah. Um, is, if you haven't got teenagers, it's a it's a joy to to behold. And um, so me and my dog go walking quite a lot. With I love being outside. I love being in nature. Um, I like reading. I love I love I love astronomy as well. I think being able to gaze at the night sky sometimes is just a nice way to spend an evening. I always point the planets out to my daughters and they go boring daddy, boring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, well it sounds like we're kind of coming to um, an end. Is there anything you uh, wanted to ask me at all?
1: Um, I've I've enjoyed being on. I like your podcast. What one thing that I think is really interesting, Lisa, is when we talk about the future of work. Is you know your business, the one that you've the Pride Road, the model you've got there, where you've created um, a fairness in employment. I think where people can choose to work flexibly and around living and enjoying life as well and i think predominantly about i think you set it up on the back of um being a mom and wanting to work as well mm-hmm. that's an incredible model um, how are you finding that developing because i think more and more people want to buy into that kind of lifestyle
0: yeah i think there's always time pressures um i mean that's why i was asking about time management um, and how how you kind of um, take time off. Uh, you, I think you have to be super organized and plan um, your time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, since when I set it up, flexible working was was kind of almost unheard of and working from home was almost unheard of. And then we hit the pandemic and all of a sudden everyone's working from home. And trying Mm. to manage it. But I think, um, you know, as part of Pride Road, you know, we do look at time management and how how we structure our working time so that you can be as productive as you can. Um, And and then, you know, we have to not work for a certain certain amount of time. And 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 it's switching on and off. You have to you have to switch off. know because family or demands or caring or dog walking and what mental health yeah (laughs) massively important super important yeah so that that's really ingrained at the core of of pride road it's flexible practice for for architects um and i'd love at some point to kind of take it across the the professions as well you know into quantity surveying structural engineering in you know, landscape interior design building control everything <laughs> yeah. there's a way forward there's a way forward so yeah I kind of see it see it as a as a blueprint to, to move forward but um yeah since we spoke uh last we're growing I've got a a map on, on the wall in the back with oh there with, you go uh, there you go we're we're Across England we've got <laughs> yeah, two in the northwest, we're down in Bournemouth, we're over in Southwest London, and um, we're in Warwick as well. so we're we're definitely expanding.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think it's the model that people are I think we're a generation generation away from people thinking we're bonkers working the way we work now.
0: So we, we just had a bit of a Wi-Fi blip there and uh, I think we all went a bit robot So I think we need to draw to a close and I'd like to thank Peter for coming on.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Lovely, lovely to be on. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining me, Lisa Rains, for Architecture in the Dam. If you want to find out about franchising, check out our website, pride If you enjoyed this episode, please like subscribe and leave a review and do get in touch through your favorite platform. If you'd like to be a guest.